Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is a podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Gabby. And I'm Emma. And we are both card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. Hey. <laughs> hey. You okay? How, how we doing? We're okay. We're okay. It's yeah. How's Margate? Yeah. How's the beach? Um. Well, I I went for a run this morning. It's Sunday. Um, today we're recording on a Sunday. I went for a run this morning because I wanted to avoid what could conceivably turn into crowds. Mm. I'm a bit worried. Well, every time they talk about crowds, uh, then they talk about they chastise all the naughty people on on yeah. the news. There's always a clip of Margate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I always think of you. <laughs> also, there's clips of London parks, obviously, oh, yeah, which is the yeah. other main offender. Well, um, the. Uh, for me the problem is not so much the beach because you can kind of avoid people on there yeah for me the problem is there's quite a lot of people who understandably like don't have areas like me in fact don't have areas outside areas so they go and sit on the front steps of their houses okay which is really lovely but at the moment quite problematic because the pavements are very narrow so you have to kind of basically walk in the middle of the street to be two meters from them um and I obviously have... idiots on the beach you can't really avoid but yeah what are you gonna do yeah i've definitely started walking down the middle of roads more often because mm. there's less there are fewer cars around yeah um absolutely. and so yeah it's very strange to all of a sudden be just in the road just in the road man just chilling yeah just <laughs> just chilled in the road yeah chill in out um so your lockdown's going all right then well i'm I'm not saying that I'm bored, but I have got a jigsaw going. Oh, wow. You hate jigsaws. Um, I fucking hate jigsaws. I just... (laughs) I keep, like, nearly throwing it across the room. Yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. Um, John thought it'd be a really funny joke to buy it for me for my birthday, knowing that I hate jigsaws. What a bastard. Well, I just... Yeah, I mean, what? I don't know what to say other than... Like, would have liked, I don't know, something with a big old diamond on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, okay. like, a pony. You know, the standard mm, stuff. Small stuff, yeah. 
yeah, small, small insignificant <laughs> stuff. A private jet. <laughs> Could have done um, one of those. Well, no, never mind. Yeah. Sorry, mate. It's okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, generally lockdown's fine. I mean, you and I have have baked batches two and three of our banana breads now. Yes, haven't we? yes. Um, yeah. I'm very pleased that we're exceptionally zeitgeisty. Didn't even realise. <laughs> I know it's so funny. All of a sudden, it was like everyone's doing banana bread. I was like, oh wow, we are just a meme. We are a meme. But, uh, yeah, I'm. I don't know if I'm like proud or disappointed. Um, I would say disappointed. Yeah. Um, you know, we like to think of ourselves as uh, game changers, you game know, changers. trendsetters. And <laughs> actually we're just minded. right in the middle of the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> we're disappointments, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, what else have you been doing other than baking bread? Well, I was just watching you um, answering a lot of questions on your stories. Oh, yeah. And before we came, before we started recording, I did tell you that you looked very beautiful, but you rebuffed that. I think I looked rough. <laughs> I started answering the questions and I was like, oh, fuck. Then halfway through, I realised I could put a filter on. and um, But yeah, I just couldn't be asked doing anything about it. That's um, my new vibe is just not really what drying my hair, not really caring Absolutely. what I look like, which is worrying, yeah. really. Well... <laughs> It's lucky that you have beautiful flaxen hair like a princess. Well, on the hair, it's supposed to be cut, isn't it? Obviously, we mentioned this in yeah. last week's oh, podcast. God, yeah, of course. And so that hair's not meant to be there. Um, but unfortunately, um, because I have a, quite a small window of opportunity with this cut in terms mm-hmm. of time and when it can be done, I keep getting to that time and just being like, should we just have a glass of wine and watch Ozark? and Mr Gabby's like yeah let's do that so basically my progress is more through box sets than with my haircut basically at the moment I think that's okay I don't think we should aim to use this time as some kind of productivity scenario no I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like beat myself up about it the only thing you should be doing is baking banana bread yes which I need to get on I need some flour man oh shit you can't get flour anywhere (laughs) shit got everything else <laughs> well i think i saw a tweet sometime like maybe earlier this week where somebody was saying are they are they starting to cut flour with cocaine now <laughs> why because cocaine's more readily available yeah exactly <laughs> or oh no because it's flying off the shelves yeah. i get it <laughs> but um, also good idea there's probably loads of cocaine available so yeah exactly it would bulk it up stick it in your flour good time stick bread everyone's gonna have some raised endorphins um just to be clear we are not endorsing drug use no of course not no that was a joke no No. um ed what else have you been up to um i've been watching quite a lot of telly like i think everyone else um Mm -hmm. and one thing i have noticed is that there's quite a lot of um infertility kind of storylines going on in the well at least in the telly i'm watching which is is quite nice it's quite refreshing yeah um yeah, I'm watching The English Game on Netflix, which is a period drama, which has okay. a infertility um, plotline. Ooh. And um, there's The Nest on BBC, which I think is about... Um, I need to watch it. I haven't watched it yet, but it's about adoption or surrogacy. I need to, yeah, I need to investigate. Okay. Get on that. And then there's a new programme coming out on Apple TV called Trying, which is all about, um, yeah, again, infertility, trying. IVF and trying. And it's got Rafe Spall, who is my favourite man. So, okay. um, so yeah, 
It's so we need to get him on here, really. We do actually. This could we do a shout out to Rafe Small or anyone that knows Rafe Small to, you know, get him to get in touch. We'd like yeah. we'd like him on. We'd love to have him on. Yeah. Or then maybe post lockdown so you get to sit down with him, cozy up. Oh yeah, I'd like that. I'd like to yeah. look his face. <laughs> oh, don't that might put him off. I won't lick your face, Rafe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just get I'll just get disconcertingly close to it. Yeah, exactly. Just get close enough to smell his lovely skin. Mm. <laughs> cool. Um well great. So I guess on to the show. Indeed, yes. Um firstly I just wanna do a quick note about sound because like I'm sure that you guys can all understand that we are asking people to record in their bedrooms, essentially, or wherever they are. Um, they use, they're not using like proper podcast mics or anything like that because they, not everyone has a podcast mic, weirdly, sitting in their bedroom. Um, Why not? So I, do, I don't understand it, but apparently it's the case. Um, so the sound quality is not going to be like tip top. It's not tip top. And um, but it's not that bad. And mate, I just no. want to say your editing is is really very good and very impressive. Oh, thanks, so thanks. I think from from all of us, thank you. <laughs> my pleasure, my absolute pleasure. Um, so this week we are talking, or actually, I talked to Trudy Campbell, who is a nursing director at the Evewell Clinic in London. Um, and this, we've had a couple of requests from listeners to do a show about what they can do in their first year of trying for a baby to kind of really give themselves their best chance. Um, so this is the first year TTC episode, but, and I would caveat it with a but, um, this is kind, parts of it are kind of relevant to people who are going through treatment but might have had it cancelled. Mm. Um, because, you know, a lot of it is how to get your body ready to, um, <laughs> I was going to say receive a child, um, how to get your body ready and kind of improve your chances of conceiving. But yes. of course, that is applicable when you're doing IVF as well. So, you know, I've heard a few people talking about how after they've had their treatment cancelled, it's like incredibly upsetting. But mm. one way they've chosen to look at it is I can use this time to get my body into its best state essentially yeah Yeah. Um, so while other people are doing like joe wicks exercise videos we're doing like the ivf version of yeah exactly drinking shit those of those mns smoothies (laughs) warming them in their mouths as they go (laughs) gabby's Um. top tip (laughs) not my top tip guys not my top tip Um, so yeah, so it's, it's actually a really good interview and, um, probably, you know, it covers a lot of the basics, but relevant to a lot of people. Um, so that was cool. Good, good stuff. You spoke to Professor Tim. I did. Um, I spoke to Professor Tim, medical director at Oxford Fertility, mm-hmm. about DNA fragmentation in sperm, yeah. which is, it's a bit of a divisive subject actually, because normal... Um, sperm analysis does not cover it and then there's some people who think there's no point in in investigating sperm DNA frag some people think it's really important so yeah it's good to to put it to Prof T and before all that we've got Liz and Nick yep um just doing their usual dispatch indeed dispatch from Cardiff indeed but 
before you listen to any of that, we would love you to rate and review the podcast. Yes, please. Um, and we would love you to follow us on Instagram. At Big Fat Negative. On Facebook. At Big Fat Negative. Or not. I went, there's no hash on Facebook. <laughs> oh, I've dropped the ball already. <laughs> um, <laughs> on Twitter. At Big Fat Negative. Or you can email us. Big Fat Negative Podcast at gmail.com. Fabulous. And, um, oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> Please enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. We had our first counselling session today. Uh, I was Is that say what that was? Semi, I was going to call it a semi-counselling. I don't know why I even suggested that. Um, our first couples, couples counselling today. Yeah. How was it for you? It's good. I, I, I didn't participate as much as you. Yeah, but you're not that much of a talker. I mean, you are, like you have your moments. But as a general rule, you're not a lover of the chat. No. Well, fertility chat, anyway. Especially to someone I don't know. Yeah. But she was nice, though. She was nice. So, would you like to give a pricey of the purpose of the counselling? Yes. <laughs> Go on, then. <laughs> the purpose? Oh, we, ha- we have to do it, don't we? We, we have to uh, do this when considering donor conception. Yes, but I think... That's implications counselling, whereas this was like a bit of a hey. welcome to the world of donor. <laughs> How are you? Dipping the toe in, if you will. Yes. Is it, well, my, my understanding going into that was that it was because yeah. we are thinking about the donor thing. Yes. Um, I think it was... I thought it was going to be a bit more about actually what happens with donor um, and and the implications counselling, but I think given that we explained to her that we were at a bit of a crossroads, yes. she made it a lot more general. Yeah, which was good. I thought. Although I didn't think from what she was saying, from her point of view, it wasn't donor necessarily. It was more of a general. Anyway, I don't think she came into that as a as a donor. What as a donor chat? Yeah, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's fair. That's fair. So, um, you know, we had a chat with a woman this morning on WhatsApp. On WhatsApp, and modern. <laughs> we kept with the times, um, and yeah, what did you think of it? Um. It was a bit strange. She 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 um talked a bit more than I thought. Yeah. It was more information gathering, receiving. Yeah. Than what I thought of as a counselling session. Okay. I thought we were going to talk about our feelings and whatnot. <laughs> were you prepared for that? Were you? Not really. You mean so? Like... I was quite relieved when it wasn't. <laughs> you mean also, it's um. I wasn't having a particularly bad day, so naturally I probably was just going to be fine. Absolutely fine. 
Okay, so you, if it was like feelings counselling, yeah, done, you I don't think I would have got much out of it. Today was not the day yeah. for feelings counselling. Feeling all right? You're feeling okay. Yeah, wait till I'm having a bad day. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, any major revelations for you? Well, I think the re- it was more for you, really. The whole uh, fifty-one forty-nine. Yeah. Chat. Yeah. So basically, I mean. I've obviously been really struggling with knowing 100% what I need to do, or sorry, what what we need to do, like, you know, or at least what my uh, preferred route would be. And she was basically saying that 51% is good enough. So to know 51% of the time, or 51% that that is the route that you want to take, is kind of as good as it's going to get. And... 49% is just... What did she... What the phrase she kept saying? Chuffing along in the background. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not really too sure what she meant by that, but... There's um, always going to be... There's always going to be some doubt that you made the right decision. Yeah, I guess so. And I don't think you'll ever be 100% on one decision. No, and that was quite... Like, that was quite a revelation for me, actually. Because I've been waiting to be 100% sure. Yeah. I think... When you um, read Lisa Faulkner's book, mm. I think the thing that concerned you was when she said she still has, what was the term she used? Like a pang. Yeah. An, an envy. Yeah. When she hears about pregnancy. Yeah. Even though she's obviously really happy and has adopted her daughter and has the sort of family that she wants. I think that's what you're worried about. You're worried about going into the future and then having that. Or... Wish I'd done that. Yeah. But I think I sw- you, you go into most things with, like, regret, I guess. Not regret, but uncertainty. Yeah. And nothing ev- nothing is ever going to be perfect. But, yeah, it was a huge... Actually, it was a bit of a game changer for me, I think. Her sort of coming up with this 51% business. Good. Um... And actually recognising that you don't have to know all of the time that you have to know everything. I very rarely know anything. <laughs> so. What about you? Was anything that she said really sort of hit home with you? Was anything that she said um, stuck with you? Um, I'm not too sure. I think nothing really struck me differently. Okay. I didn't have any revelations like you did. Right. Um, But it's always good to have confirmation of what you've been thinking anyway. Yeah. And she did talk about, we did talk about um, the adoption information evening because my thought, I have a very romantic view of adoption and she said, oh, you have that all knocked out of you and you as an information <laughs> night, which is, pretty, which is good. Yeah, I think she was, it was quite a nice one, actually, because I, I sort of assumed that it was going to be all about donor conception. Yeah. And that was going to be the main topic of conversation. Yeah. But actually, I think she's an adoptive parent herself, yeah. isn't she, she said. And a foster. And a foster, so a foster carer. So it was actually quite nice to talk about both yeah. both sides of the of our um, our, our sort of paths, if you will. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's the first fertility thing that we've done in quite some time. So, 
how 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 did you feel about that? Um, it's good because you want to get back. We've had a a little break from it. What I say, a little break about a month. Uh, it's good to dip your toe back in the water again. Yeah, and she was very much like, you know, don't take it too seriously. Yeah, that you? was the point I was going to make. I suppose the thing that, is, that did strike a, a bit was sort of try and do it, try and do your research in a sort of more light-hearted sort of way. Try and see the fun in it a bit. Yeah, I mean, how did you feel about that? I think that is probably wise advice. Yeah. It doesn't all have to be depressing. (laughs) (laughs) All doom and gloom. Yeah, Yeah, I guess. I suppose with the benefit of adoption and uh, donor conception, we've we've kind of got the luxury of time. Yeah. That was that's a, a bit of a relief. It is a bit of a relief, and I know obviously one of the things for you is that you just want to do the thing that's going to get us there the fastest to our kind of end destination. Um, and sometimes you see time as a bit. I say you know you in general, as in people in general, see time as a little bit of a an enemy, I guess. But actually, we're quite fortunate, I suppose, now that we have got that. Yeah, it's, it's, it makes a pleasant change from those first few meetings where it was drilled into us that you've got to do this as soon as possible. Yeah. Time is running out. You're getting on a bit, love. <laughs> <laughs> You're growing old. <laughs> sort it out. Yeah, it is quite nice now to, to sort of think, actually, we can take a bit of time out of it. So, yeah, that's good. Although, alternatively, now you want to get done faster. Well, yeah, I'm, yeah, I suppose I do, but I also don't want to make the wrong choice, so I'm a yeah. little bit cautious. Yeah. Um, so, this counselling was actually uh, free, and it was through our uh, clinic, uh, which is the London Women's Clinic, which is actually, I think it's, I think it's a UK, I want to say UK-wide, I don't think it's well, we UK-wide. we the one in Cardiff. Yes, yeah, so There's it's a one in Bristol clinic. as yeah. well, I know of. And one in Swansea. There is one in Swansea. There is. Uh, and I think the one in London as well. And along with um, the London Women's Clinic, they've also got the London Egg Bank. Yeah. Which is uh, next door, isn't it? In, well, in Cardiff. Yeah, it's next door in Cardiff. So it's... Um, yeah, it's basically, I guess... I mean, she described it as an Argos catalogue of <laughs> eggs. <laughs> And I'm just really not sure about how I, how I feel about that. Get your small blue pen out. Get me small blue no pen out. pun intended. <laughs> um, so she was basically saying, she gave us a bit of homework, I guess, didn't she? Yeah. And she said... Um, I think this is the bit where you've got to take a sort of not too serious look at it, because it's going to be a weird... It's a bit of a weird situation going, looking at the donor... Oh, what the register? You yeah, mean? yeah, yeah. Well, th- I think what she's trying to do, and I think what's probably the right thing to do, is make it all very real for us. Yeah. And confront that reality. So by going to this information evening, the adoption information evening, and actually, she, she excuse me, she suggested that we go 
to more than one, didn't she? Yes. Um, and she's going to send me a bit more information on it as well, which would be good. And she also suggested that we register and start browsing yeah. through the donor bank. Yeah. Somewhere between the Elizabeth Duke jewellery and the electronics goods. <laughs> In the Argos catalogue of life. In the Argos catalogue of life. So I think that's that's our kind of fertility plan for next week, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I get it's Something weird. to do? Yeah, I mean, it's weird. I think I we're going to have to like book in some time yeah. to um, browse, some, browse some women's women's eggs. Yep. And was it that you got? A, you're looking for someone that would look like they fit in with the family, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Look like they would fit in with the wider family. Yeah. Whose family? I'm not sure, but actually, Probably best yours. <laughs> I mean, we've both got brown hair, so that's one thing we have in common. Um, you're unusually tall in comparison to the rest of your family. No, yeah. they're just short. Oh, okay. Sorry. Mm. Anyway, so yeah, so that's what we're going to do next week, I think. Yep. Um, and we've okay. also got the information. No, that's two weeks, isn't it? Yeah, that's two weeks away. Coolie Jets Fox. Getting, no. too, getting too keen. Um, Is that. We're doing that before we go to a dance lesson? Yes. We're doing. <laughs> so we, we decided. It up. Yeah, we decided this, this week, actually, that uh, we're going to achieve stuff in 2020 that's not fertility related would be nice and um last year we actually so it was nick's christmas present to me wasn't it uh, a set of uh, six weeks of dance lessons spot on and we had a whale of a time we absolutely loved it but it was on a friday night and it, so the timing wasn't great for us we got clubbing on a friday night <laughs> as standard so it didn't really work absolutely and so they've got a class starting in a couple of weeks in January, uh, a couple of weeks in January, a couple of weeks on Wednesdays. And so we're going to we're gonna go back and, and give it a bash. And Dance followed by the pub quiz. Yeah, Wednesday's dance. the night to... <laughs> yeah, Wednesday night is the night. It's the night where we basically do all of our socialising. Yep. So, yeah. So, that's so we can relax for the weekend. Yeah, exactly. We we'll just see anyone. So that's that's our plan this week, yeah. I think. You're um, joining the choir. I haven't joined a choir yet. I've inquired about joining a choir. Basically, people make New Year's resolutions and we just decide to do stuff <laughs> that's not fertility related so that we feel like we're achieving in our lives. That'd be nice. Because I was trying to work out the other day how much of our relationship has been thinking about fertility. Oh my God, that's depressing. How long is it? It's it's the majority of it, I think. Jesus. Realistically. Oh God. (laughs) Considering we got engaged after eight months. Yes. So the first part of the relationship was quite fast. Yes. And that was about the only time before we got married that we weren't really... Thinking about having a baby. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. So there you have it, folks. We've been trying to have a baby longer than we've not been trying to have a baby two thumbs up (laughs) anyway uh, this is us signing off now see you next week bye bye there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Trudy, thank you so much for doing this. We're very excited to have you on. No worries, I'm glad to be here. Let's start with the basics, mm-hmm. I think. We all know that you're supposed to try for a baby for one year before you go to your GP and, you know, before you before there's really a problem. Mm-hmm. Are there any early indicators, though, that you might have trouble? Things like irregular periods, painful periods. I mean, are, are they fairly reliable indicators that things might not be quite right? Uh, yeah, so you are exactly right. You can sometimes get some early indicators um, that will point to pro- potential problems with conceiving. So um, as you rightly say, pain. So if you're getting mm-hmm. um, a lot of I- excessive pain uh, with your periods and in between your periods and during sex, mm-hmm. these can be indicators of things like endometriosis, uh, adenomyosis, uh, which is where you basically have endometriosis within the muscle lining Um, of the uterus itself, um, Mm -hmm. which can cause problems with adhesions and can cause problems with your fallopian tubes. Um, If you have excessively heavy periods, so, you know, lots of flooding and very large clots can indicate that you could have polyps in the uterus, um, which can cause problems with implantation. If you have extremely irregular periods, um, that can indicate that you're not ovulating regularly or that your hormones are a bit out of whack. Um, So it might be that your ovaries are doing one thing and your hormones are doing something else and your uterine lining has got its own party going on uh, at a different point as well and nothing's quite meshing up like it's supposed to. (laughs) Uh And that can indicate that you can have issues. Um, Similar with absent periods. Um, So some people who, for example, have very low body weights, uh, like marathon runners, gymnasts and things like that, they don't have enough body fat to allow the hormones that are coming from the brain to get to where they need to go. Um, And generally periods will stop, which basically means that you're not ovulating. So, yeah, there can be some indicators. And it's worth um, mentioning these things to your GP? Absolutely. And it's a a difficult one because I think... um, 
all women have experienced this when you go to the GP about you know, inadverted commas, women troubles, you don't yeah. necessarily get listened to uh, no. right from the beginning. So quite often it's something that needs to be said again and again and again and sometimes with quite a lot of um, robustness, <laughs> for want of a yeah. better way of phrasing it. <laughs> but some gentle insistence. Exactly, exactly. Um, because these are not necessarily normal things. I mean, every woman's period is very specific to themselves and their symptoms are very specific to themselves. But if you are getting those kind of above and beyond the, again, in inverted commas, normal experiences, it is something to look out for because you can have medication that can, um, say, lessen the damage and effect of endometriosis on on the internal parts of the body, um, which can help you to keep the tubes free for longer and not cause as many issues and damages um, so that when, when you come in to try and get pregnant, there's hopefully a better chance um, that you can do it naturally at home, which is, I think, where everyone would prefer to be doing it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> chance will be a fine thing. Um, Definitely. <laughs> what, I mean, what about ovulation tracking? You know, I, I, I think I probably got to about six months into my... Um, trying to conceive and I started tracking my ovulation and charting my temperatures are those things helpful at what point do they just make you more anxious that's an excellent question I think it is helpful to a certain degree especially if you are having irregular cycles Um, because with ovulation you only know when you ovulated definitely if you're not tracking it by when your next period comes which is Mm -hmm. as a general rule 14 days beforehand so if you get your period Mm -hmm. on the 14th of april you more more than likely would have ovulated on the first so if Mm -hmm. your natural period ranges between say 27 days and 45 days on a month-to-month basis you've not really got an idea of when that actual ovulation is occurring um Mm -hmm. Now, things like basal cell temperature tracking, it's a fair bit of controversy over about how accurate that is in and of itself. Um, If you're going to do it, I would suggest do it with the little pee-on-the-stick ovulation kits that you get. Um, And you can go the old-school one, um, which I generally just prefer because I'm more familiar with it, I think, where you pee and you have a look and see about the two lines. And when you get the line the kind of test line that's stronger than the control line, you know, the surge is occurring. Mm -hmm. Now, what that means is not that you're ovulating at that point. It means that your hormones are surging and you will ovulate within about the next 24 hours um, as a general guide. Uh, Because I think a lot of people get the little pee on the stick ones and it's like, you know, the smiley face. That's not necessarily that ovulation is occurring. It means the surge is occurring that will cause the ovulation. Um, and if there if there is a surge occurring, is there a chance that you might not ovulate, or will you definitely ovulate when you get that surge? So the luteinizing hormone, which is the surge um, that comes out, it then takes the little follicle that should be sitting on your ovary through its final maturation phases, and it's usually the presence mm-hmm. of a follicle on the ovary that causes the hormone to surge. Having said that, there's not always a guarantee that within that follicle there is an egg. Because what okay. should should be happening is there should be an egg attached to the wall of that follicle. The hormone yeah. surge happens and it basically detaches, sort of like a 
spaceship <laughs> from the yeah. from the wall of the follicle and then it's just free floating about until the follicle bursts open and then the egg is released uh, and then off it goes on its little wee journey. Um, so if there is a follicle on the ovary, that follicle will burst. Whether there is an egg within that follicle, you okay. can't say for definite. Um, but if you're sort of young and um, you have your regular cycles and everything's kind of doing what it's supposed to be doing, you should be fairly certain that there is an egg within that follicle. Okay. Um, let's talk about sex, baby. Mm-hmm. we've i mean we've we've actually done an episode on on sex but i think it's helpful to talk about it in this episode Mm -hmm. um just because you know it's always helpful to go back to basics um how often should you be doing it not as often as you think interestingly uh so i remember i had a very good friend of mine who gave me a call one day and she's like oh my god like i'm not getting pregnant we're just doing it all the time, nothing is happening, what are we doing wrong? So I had a little bit of a chat and it turned out they were having sex four to six times a day. Jesus Christ. That was my reaction. (laughs) I was like, aren't you both sore and bored? (laughs) She said, yes, a little bit. Um, Yeah, it's not as often, about every 24 hours uh, around the point of ovulation is absolutely fine because essentially when when the guy does his... uh, load shall we say Uh, (laughs) if he kind of uh antes up again within sort of 12 hours it's mostly just going to be seminal fluid because it takes a certain amount of time for the sperm to mature enough to be released into the seminal fluid to then come out um so if you're doing it a lot essentially after the second ejaculate you've essentially just got seminal fluid there's not many actual swimmers in there so what we would usually recommend is that on the regular, a guy should be clearing the pipes every two to three days. What okay. you don't want to do is accumulate sperm for longer than five days because essentially what you'll have there is just a whole bunch of dead sperm, which, again, oh. is not really going to do anything. They they have a very short life, bless them. Um, so, so after about five days, you've just got mostly dead sperm and it takes that sort of 24 to 48 hour period to get the new kind of refreshed, um, vigorous sperm to, to come out. So mm-hmm. what we usually would say is around the point of ovulation, just have sex about every 24 hours for about three to four days. And then that's that's your kind of window covered pretty much there. Uh, so definitely not four <laughs> to six times a day. God, no. <laughs> Just to be clear. <laughs> De- definitely to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, nutrition. Now that's, you know, when you're trying for a baby, you, you really feel like you have no control at all. And nutrition mm. is something that you can control. And again, this is something we could do a whole episode on. Oh, God, yes. Um, but I want to I touch on it. Also because there's a lot of people right now who've had their, uh, their um, treatment cycles cancelled. And one thing they can be doing is kind of, prepping their body for when mm. when it ha- when it's supposed to happen mm. um so you know what should we be eating when we're trying for a baby things like does red meat really promote a better lining is that a thing there seems to be a lot of i suppose cycles of of um trendiness around certain food groups and things um that's probably a really bad way of explaining it I can remember vividly once I I had a patient come in and and sit down and 
burst into hysterical tears. And it took me five to 10 minutes, I think, to calm her down enough to, to get her to talk to me. Um, and she was like, I've ruined everything. I've eaten tomatoes. Oh, my God. And I thought tomatoes are good. Well, yeah, see, they come in and out of fashion. So at this point, some article had come out saying that essentially I assume tomatoes are destroying your ovaries um, and so on and so forth. So this poor woman was convinced that because she ate tomatoes regularly, essentially her entire cycle was a complete write-off, um, oh etc. And, you know, this was an incredibly intelligent, capable woman, as we all are, but it's very easy, I think, to get swayed by these uh, things on the internet. Now, obviously, yeah. if, if tomatoes were detrimental to pregnancy, Italy would be a barren wasteland, um, <laughs> <laughs> as would probably most of Britain. Uh, you know, God, you can't go two days without eating a tomato. Uh, uh-huh. But <laughs> in my experience, all things in moderation, if you're eating a healthy, well-balanced diet – um, and you're getting the the you know main macronutrients that you require. You're going to be in a good place. I think where the difficulty comes is, and we're all prone to it, is seeing these solutions as as kind of the secret weapon, and then taking it a little bit further than we should do. Yeah. So I see um, people who will suddenly start treatment, which you know is an incredibly stressful, emotionally difficult time. You're playing around with your hormones, which is always a, a difficult thing to do and then they'll suddenly go on a nuts and berries cleanse detox diet the sugar goes out the carbs go out the wine goes out the coffee goes out and they go into massive withdrawals on top of all the hormone treatment and the whole thing is just an incredibly difficult experience so what i recommend for people if you're looking to start trying start introducing changes to your diet well before you get anywhere near a treatment cycle, if that makes sense, to allow That's the, very good advice. Yeah, to allow the body to adjust, to allow yourself um, to get that as your new normal and how you feel okay with things. Don't try and do it too close, purely because it's just going to make everything so much more difficult to cope with. Um, you know, yeah, you'll get headaches, the mood swings, the nausea. You'll get all kinds of of horrendous kind of side effects and and reactions to suddenly going off everything um oh my god i had the worst co- uh, caffeine withdrawal when i was oh, it, doing one of my cycles it is horrendous i went off caffeine once and my eye twitched for two weeks i looked psychotic oh it was i couldn't get up my muscles just mm. all ached constantly yeah. caffeine is one of the worst things to to withdraw off so if you're going to do it give yourself a good four or five weeks <laughs> before oh to really get it out of the system and and replace it with something else. Um, you know, there's a few things that are recommended, uh, particularly for the men. So, for example, uh, Brazil nuts, they, they say to have three Brazil nuts a day. So, again, just stick to those recommendations because I think people go, well, if three nut- Brazil nuts are good, then 20 Brazil nuts are better. Um, <laughs> and I have met some poor gentlemen who, who are being basically force-fed Brazil nuts all day, every day. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's, it is so easy to get into that because it's the one thing, you, as you say, you do have control over. Uh-huh. So you'll start off with the best of intentions and then very slowly it creeps up to become this thing that consumes your life and every you're measuring every tiny thing that goes in to your body and assessing whether you should be eating um, you know so many milligrams of vitamin a and so many milligrams yeah. of potassium and and it can 
become a much bigger point of stress um, than the benefits that you're getting from it. So I think, you know, reasonable, all things in moderation. Well, you mentioned vitamins there and, you know, supplements is one thing that's recommended by quite a few nutritionists specifically. Mm. Um, We all know that we should start taking folic acid or folates Mm -hmm. a few months before we start trying. Um, What else should we be taking? Vitamin D? Yeah, definitely. Uh, In this country in particular, because we have the very dark winters, quite a lot of people are quite deficient in vitamin D. Um, mm-hmm. So from a nutrient perspective, the best kind of nutrients are the ones that you get from food. Supplements um, have their place, but ideally if we take it in from the food itself, um, so things like your green leafy vegetables, your um, yeah. you know, broccolis and uh, cabbages and all those kind of delightful foods (laughs) Um, from those perspectives and then some of the supplements there is I am aware a lot of extremely expensive supplements out there that you can buy that are specifically targeted for fertility now there's an awful lot of controversy around whether they do or don't do anything some people will be you know, huge advocates of it. Other people are incredibly sceptical. I sit a little bit on the fence with that one. I think there is definitely a yeah. place uh, for supplements. But again, you know, you, your body is designed to absorb your nutrients from your food. Um, yeah. So if you're getting a good, healthy, well-balanced diet, the only things you really probably need to be supplementing is your vitamin D and making sure that you're getting your folic acid uh, and your mm-hmm. folate. Um, otherwise, the body is designed to pee out excessive amounts of vitamins. So if you're taking huge amounts of vitamins, once the body hits that that top-up thing, the rest is just expensive urine that's going, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> uh, you're just well, peeing and, it and down. One, <laughs> one thing that we're asked about repeatedly is something called CoQ10. Mm. It should, should everybody be taking that? What's that for? That is an excellent question. <laughs> um, it's one of those ones that, again, seems to go through a little bit of a uh, a phase. There was a while there that it was being added into um, culture media, weirdly enough, right. okay. um, which I think they then stopped because they worked out that adding things to culture media is actually not a great um, thing to do because it can turn off and on certain genes. Yeah. So, so it's a, it can affect gene expression, which is probably not something you want to be doing with something you're not aware of what it does. No. And culture media, we should just add is, is the stuff that they use to grow embryos in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of the little, uh, mimicking the fallopian tube environment, which is where normally, uh, your embryo would be developing up until the point mm-hmm. where it attaches onto the to the uterine lining. So okay. the CoQ10, uh, sorry, I kind of got off on a slight uh, tangent there. It's supposed to help with things like your blood sugar regulation um, and reducing oxidative damage, I suppose, is the way to, to think about it. Um, and again, it's uh, a lot of places do recommend it. There's no evidence of any harm that it would cause by taking it. Um, mm-hmm. so I think I, my general advice is I leave it up to patients to make a, a, an assessment or people up to make an assessment of whether or not they think it's, it's going to be particularly benefiting. I don't think there's any robust studies out there that are just like, yes, this is, this is the great new thing that we're going to, to be doing, um, for patients going forward. So, 
Okay. I'll fence it on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Um, What about exercise? I mean, you know, we all know we should do a certain amount of exercise all the time, but if you're somebody who does loads of exercise, should you be cutting back? And if you're somebody who doesn't do very much at all, not saying that I don't, (laughs) but I'm going for my first one in a year and a half today. Um, Should, should they be doing more? And again, again, I think it's the all things in moderation. So if you're a ultra marathon runner, you're running, mm-hmm. you know, 20, 30, 40 miles a day, you have an incredibly low body fat um, ratio, then yeah, you probably need to rein it in a little bit uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, the hormones um, that help with ovulation and pregnancy are fat soluble. If you don't have enough body fat, it cannot then get the hormones where they need to be. So the chances of getting pregnant and staying pregnant are much, much lower um, than they would be in someone of a normal body weight. Conversely, if you have a, a much higher body weight, so you're you know sitting up in the BMI categories of 30 plus, um, okay. fat is actually estrogenic. So it creates its own hormones and throws things out of balance. And again, that can affect how you ovulate and how you're able to maintain pregnancy should you get pregnant Um, for things like running interesting uh, little one it's the it can cause issues with ovulation because of the continuous nipple stimulation of running which i heard about yes i heard about that in a a talk from a um physiotherapist um, who does a lot of work with fertility clinics and athletes and fertility Um, And that's one of the interesting things because nipple stimulation causes uh, prolactin uh, to be created and released like as if you were breastfeeding, which naturally can Uh suppress ovulation. Uh, And again, I'm talking about excessive amounts of running. If you're, I was going to say, you have to do a lot, right? You would have to do an awful lot. So this would be the, um, yeah, the ultra marathon runners, people uh, going out and and doing it for three, four hours a day. So if you're doing just a little half hour jog around the park. Don't you worry. Yeah. Absolutely That's fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a 5K, it's all right. Absolutely. 5, 10K, half marathon, fine. Are we talking about the, the kind of mad keen runners that you, you see out at all hour of the day and night um, running through snow and, and all the rest of it? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not me. <laughs> Definitely not me either. Um, okay, and what about the boys? Because we touched on them with Brazil nuts there. That was mm. that was handy. But what about, you know, if, if you do have... Um, male factor as as one of your issues or as your main issue should we be banning them from baths and force feeding them spinach and (laughs) that kind of thing or you know poor boys i know bless them um they they do struggle somewhat with the uh investigation side of it i'm always slightly amused at at how they do appear to be being dragged off to the gallows when they're off to get their sperm tested Uh, (laughs) when when all they're being asked to do is sit in a slightly darkened room for (laughs) 15 minutes yeah. or so. <laughs> I think women do definitely get the, the harder end of the stick on that one. <laughs> Much harder, yeah. <laughs> um, and they do get inordinately proud of themselves when, they're, uh, when their tests come back with a good level. So <laughs> their the chests kind of puff out and there's a bit of a strut to the oh. step as they leave the clinic. So, it's, um, yeah, it's quite funny. Uh, you've got to keep your sense of humour with, uh, with these kind of things, I think. Uh, so for the lads... There's some pretty obvious ones. If they're sitting in a in you know a very hot bath or a, a steam room or a sauna for extended periods of time each day, that's not going to be great. They're going to be you know parboiling their 
important bits, mm-hmm. uh, which are needed for, for good, healthy sperm production. Uh, and again, they should be trying to limit their alcohol intake, um, not necessarily have to cut it out completely. Again, all things sensible and in moderation. Binge drinking is not a great one. Uh, smoking, especially, um, mm-hmm. is not a good one. Uh, things like, as you say, the Brazil nuts, spinach, a healthy diet, um, not wearing the, the too tight uh, underpants, get the old boxer yeah. briefs out um, uh-huh. for them. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult one because if you do have a male factor in fertility, uh, depending on where it's coming from, um, things like regular masturbation can actually really help by just that continuous clearing of the pipes um, yeah. to try and, and keep the, the mature, healthy sperm coming through to the fore, uh, yeah. as it were, and that can that has been shown to, to help improve the quality of what you are getting, um, what you are getting through uh, with those ones. Yeah. And things yeah. like cutting out coffee, stopping smoking, giving up the booze. Yeah, so things like smoking is a big one. Um, that is one where people do see measurable improvements in, in sperm quality after stopping it. If you're having like mm-hmm. a cup of coffee a day, I don't think that cutting out that single cup of coffee is really going to make a huge difference. If you're mainlining mm-hmm. eight to ten cups of coffee a day, then I think regardless of your sperm count, you probably should be cutting that back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> really for your heart health. <laughs> exactly, exactly, because I can't imagine that's uh, – you would be wired constantly. <laughs> so I wanted to kind of talk about the next steps because, you know, you're in your, you've had your first year of trying, you've done everything that you're supposed to do. You might have a bit of a hunch that there's something going on. When you go to your GP, what can you expect? You know, will, you, will they re- refer you for tests immediately? Are you going to have to be quite pushy? What's the best way of getting what you need? Oh, it's... A very difficult one with GPs and the way things are set up in the NHS at the moment. So depending on which CCG you're part of um, will depend on what particular tests and things that you can expect will be covered or not um, by the GPs. Now, I will caveat what I'm going to say next, which is that, you know, by and large, GPs are fantastic. They have a very difficult job and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. But One thing to bear in mind is that GPs are not specialists in fertility. Um, I have had on more than one occasion um, someone who's, say, come in and brought all their results from their GP and they're like, oh, my GP said everything's fine. And then they hand me those results and they have been investigated for, say, two or three years under their GP. Um, And I can see quite clearly and very quickly that the woman has actually gone through the menopause. She's not just perimenopausal, she is properly menopausal. Or uh, another instance I had, I got given a semen analysis. uh, And again, I could see very quickly that he actually had no sperm and hadn't hadn't had an acne for the entire time they'd been treated under the GPs. I mean, we had one interviewee who... Um, his GP said he had six million sperm, but he actually only had six sperm. Mm. And the and, GP had just read the results wrong. Yes, and I think that's what happens a lot of the time. So especially for women who are having hormones, to, to ch- like hormone testing, on the result sheets that they get, uh, if you've ever seen a copy of a blood test, they'll have in brackets the various different normal levels. 
Now, quite often because GPs and uh, doctors in general are reviewing huge swathes of blood results on a, on a daily basis, unless something is asterisked and highlighted, they don't necessarily even clock it. Um, so for okay. something like follicle-stimulating hormone, which is the one that when it's really, really elevated, that's what indicates that you're menopausal or perimenopausal, because that won't necessarily highlight an asterisk, it often doesn't even register that there's something okay. not right there. So if you've uh, got a FSH of 80 on your test results, that'll still register as a normal result because it's not outside what can be expected across the life cycle of a woman. But if you're, you know, trying to have a baby, an FSH of 80 is impossible. Essentially, you're menopausal. You've, your ovaries have stopped working uh, at that okay. point. So I would say to people, if you're not getting much luck with your GP, um, because they are often very reluctant to send people through um, for other testing. And again, I caveat that by saying it depends on which CCG, which GP that you're talking to. It's yeah. so variable across the board. Um, if you're becoming concerned and are getting of a certain age, um, it might be time to look into taking it to a private fertility area to get a, okay. a, like a, an assessment or something done. Um, because, again, I've seen far too many cases of people, by the time they get into the sort of specialist area, it's too late. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't so have been two years before kind of thing. At the very least, you can request a copy of your test results and exactly. take them for a kind of initial consultation with somebody. Absolutely. Yeah, if you can get anything done on the NHS... Go yeah. for it because, you know, and goodness knows they're restricting that continuously. Um, so yeah. there are less and less things that you can get checked. But you might be able to just get a basic semen analysis, check that uh -huh. the tubes are open, uh, which is a very important one, especially if as a woman you've ever had uh, a sexually transmitted disease um, mm -hmm. or any issues or suspected issues around endometriosis. Really important mm -hmm. to, to see if you can get your tubes checked um, because all the you know, lovely exercise and nutrients in the world are not going to help if the tubes are blocked completely because if there's yeah. no way for that egg to get down to where it needs to go, it's game Absolutely. over. Well, before we in begin. my case, mm. it was appendicitis that caused mm. blocked tubes. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And it can um, be really innocuous things like that that you wouldn't even necessarily think of. Uh -huh. um, you know, it can be a, 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 a bad um, vaginal infection that could have got up into the uterus um, mm -hmm. that can cause issues. And again, something that as a you know twenty year old, you probably didn't even register as anything at all. But as you're getting on and trying to have a baby, it suddenly becomes a big issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, cool. One thing that I just wanted to talk about very quickly was Clomid because, mm -hmm. again, it's something that people often end up trying in in their first year or very close to their first year of trying to have a baby. Um, and it's it's something that's quite easy to prescribe hmm. um, and you can kind of, if it doesn't work, you can tick that off the list and say, hmm. you know, that didn't work. Um, what is it? What are the risks? So Clomid, basically, it interferes slightly with the feedback mechanism between the brain and the ovaries so that you'll, A, produce a follicle and maybe more than one follicle. Um, to get up it is helpful for people who say have very irregular periods um, or people who um, are unsure whether or not they're ovulating 
uh, on a regular basis um, because if you've got those like PCOS, for example, you can become what they call anovulatory, which means you might get mm-hmm. a period every three to six months, but it's not accompanied with the usual release of an egg. So it can help to regulate uh, and get the um, get the egg released uh, and hopefully then the sperm will come in. So it just yeah. interferes very slightly with that. Um, there are some risks, known risks associated with Clomid, um, the main one being multiple pregnancy mm-hmm. because if you are young, especially um, with Clomid and you've just been prescribed it and told to go home and take it and no one's having a look to see what it's doing to your ovaries, there mm-hmm. is a risk that you could end up with five, six, ten follicles or containing an egg that could be released. Now, there was a very famous uh, case in the late 80s, early 90s, um, somewhere here in Britain, I can remember reading about it on the news, um, of a woman who had eight. It wasn't the, it wasn't Octomum in America, it was um, okay. a, a couple somewhere here in, in Britain, and that was basically a Clomid cycle gone wrong, um, where multiple follicles had been developed. Now, having heard it through gossip and the grapevine, I have no idea how true it is, but apparently uh, the cycle had been cancelled. She had been told not to try, went home and tried, right. and that's what happened. Um, and I think all eight children um, died Oh my God. Um, in that one uh, because uh, yeah, the human body is not designed to carry eight babies. <laughs> it's you no. know, incredibly risky. Um, so I will always say to people, if you are being prescribed Clomid tablets, I would recommend that you take them in conjunction with being scanned, even if it's just once, to just check and make sure nothing crazy like that is going on in the ovaries Um, and to make sure that it's actually working because there are some groups of women where you can take Clomid and it's not going to help. So if there's a particular deficit on your ovaries, slightly increasing your estrogen and follicle-stimulating hormones and things isn't going to fix the problem. Uh, But as you say, Mm -hmm. it's a a relatively quick and simple and easy way of seeing – okay, well, does that maybe help? Um, the other potential risk associated with Clomid that a lot of people will find if if you Google it um, is that there's a slightly increased risk of cancer. Now, where that comes from is uh, back in the day, Clomid, they used to just hand it out like it was lollies um, and people mm-hmm. could take it for years, just continuously take it for years. Um, yeah. In the UK under the NICE guidelines, I believe you're restricted to a maximum of six um, okay. Months. Six months. Okay. Yes. So you can have basically six cycles of, of Clomid IUI. And if it hasn't worked by then, statistically, it's not going to work. So they'll usually stop that and then look at uh, an alternative type of treatment. Okay. So the next yeah. thing is probably IVF, right? Potentially, or a different type of low level stimulation for IUI. Okay. Um, so if you're into uterine insemination, because if it's the injections work slightly different to the tablets. Um, uh-huh. So the tablets are kind of working, and this is, again, a very simplified version. It's kind of working on the brain to help the brain trigger stuff to the ovaries. But if there's an issue mm-hmm. there, the injections will target more the ovaries directly, if that makes okay. sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, So absolutely. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go straight into a full-blown IVF cycle. It just might mean that your body reacts differently and might need something tweaked um, to, to okay. see if, if that helps. Yeah. Okay. Well, the last thing I wanted to ask about was mental health, because I think, you know, I, I, by the time I had my daughter had been going for four and a half years. Um, and I think my darkest time was probably the the first couple of years that we were trying. Mm. 
how do you I mean the, the phrase I don't want to use is keep your chin up mm. but how do you kind of not let it absolutely take over your life oh that is the six million dollar question isn't it yeah it's different for everybody in my experience. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there about mindfulness and yoga and staring at a candle flame and, you know, listening to wind chimes and all that stuff. And for some people, that really, really works. For other people, it would, you know, drive them insane you know, to have to do something like that. Uh-huh. My advice to people is what works for you? You know, I had yeah. um, one lady who used to go to a secondhand shop, buy a bunch of cheap crockery and smash it to pieces in the backyard, Brilliant. you know, and that was how she got out of out of her own head and kind of got that aggression out. Um, some people like to buy lipstick. Some people go for long mm-hmm. walks. Um, some people organize their photos. It's, it's whatever works for you to get you out of your own head. Um, because it is an incredibly lonely place in fertility. It really, really is. And I think people who haven't been through it can't really understand that deep, almost it's like a biological drive. It's one of the the most um, deep kind of primal urges that people get. And it does very easily become all-consuming and it takes over every aspect of your life and it's and it happens insidiously as well I think a lot of people they don't quite realize until they wake up one day and they're just like I actually don't recognize myself and I don't recognize my life anymore what has happened Mm -hmm. Um, and my advice always to patients is try and create a bit of space for yourself whatever that space looks like for you to be you not you to be a woman trying to be pregnant or a couple trying to be pregnant and you know try and just clutch on and maintain that little bit of yourself for as long as you possibly can, you know. Take the time to to go out with friends and, you know, talk about anything and anything else under the sun (laughs) that you could possibly think of. Um, Keeping a sense of humour I think is really, really beneficial. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, as much as some days it it feels like the hardest thing in the world uh, is to try and, and look at uh, things with a slightly twisted sense of humour. I think that's probably a nursing coping mechanism. <laughs> we de- <laughs> we developed that. Uh, one of my kind of first areas of, of practice when I first left university was in palliative care. Uh-huh. So as you can imagine, that is an incredibly difficult place oh to be. God. And you, you develop a very twisted sense of humour about things oh because that's it's a way to get through the day. Um, yeah. I also say to people who are couples, um, it is going to be one of the most stressful things you can put your relationship through is trying for a baby. Um, Try and keep the love and the humour within the relationship as much as is humanly possible. Um, Sex can become a very loaded, loaded place. Um, So to try and keep that connection between yourselves, the humour and the enjoyment in intimacy um, because it can very quickly become a mechanical, just get it in there, let's get this done, I have stuff to do. Um, (laughs) It it can become that place incredibly quickly and that will create barriers. Um, It's very difficult as well sometimes not to blame each other. That's a really common um, kind of thing that I see, a dynamic between couples. And it's 
you know, you can't help if your sperm doesn't work properly or your tubes are blocked or your uterine lining is thin. Um, But when we're mentally struggling, things can come out uh, and they can come out in hurtful ways. Um, And it's just being, I suppose, mindful. And again, I hate to use that word um, because I'm probably more the smash the crockery type than I am the meditate type. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it, as I say, different things work for different people. It's about maintaining a sense of self um, through the whole, you know, because it can be an incredibly dehumanising process as well. Um, Absolutely. You essentially, I think, end up feeling like a walking uterus and ovaries (laughs) (laughs) because that's all anyone's interested. Exactly. That's all anyone's interested in. What's your uterus doing? What are your ovaries doing? (laughs) It's like there there is still a person attached to the rest of this, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Trudy, I think that's a great place to leave it. Thank you so much for doing this. Not a problem at all. It's been an absolute joy. stands for fragmentation oh that was beautifully done great broadcasting there mate thanks mate thanks great broadcasting um yes so this week we are talking to professor tim about dna fragmentation in sperm yes we are what does it mean gabriella um so it basically means that the DNA within each sperm head is potentially damaged and fraying a little bit around the edges. Mm. That would be um, bad DNA fragmentation, basically. Okay. And um, so, as I said earlier, it's not something that's included in a normal sperm analysis. So I suppose feasibly someone could have uh, normal results and then actually their fragmentation is quite high, which is bad. Um, so that's why it's like, oh, you should have you checked your fragmentation, and that's an additional, um, an additional test, which is um, expensive, shall I say? Um, so, so there is, you know, there are two schools of thought about whether you should check it because um, some people say there's nothing you can do about it anyway, so why bother? Some people say it's not actually that important. Um, it is, yeah, it's a bit divisive. But we went to obviously the gorgeous J Rams, Jonathan Ramsey, sperm expert, and he suggested we do the test, so we did. Yeah. And um, I think ours came back at eight percent fragmentation, okay. and that's that was good because low is good, high is not so good. So I think from zero to 26% you're within the normal fertile range and then if you're okay. above 26% then you kind of have a, an increased risk of, of of infertility basically and potentially miscarriage um so so yeah but I think it is quite a hard thing to tackle if you do have high DNA damage um so so yeah I think we were very lucky um that ours was low so so obviously we put it to press Tim and here's what he had to say so when you read about sperm DNA fragmentation, that's not actually suggesting that, the, that there are problems with the DNA or the inherited part of, um, of sperm. It's more that um, using certain tests, uh, we can see that the, the head of the sperm, the nucleus, is a bit sort of bitty. It's a bit fragmented. That doesn't lead on to higher abnormality rates in children. It's not an inherited thing as such. But it has been suggested that higher sperm DNA fragmentation rates may be associated with lower egg fertilization rates, poor embryo quality, 
poor chances of embryos implanting and perhaps even a, um, a higher miscarriage rate. Unfortunately, the studies in this area are generally quite poor quality with a lack of good randomised control um, studies really proving whether or not it's worth testing for DNA fragmentation and importantly, what you should do about it if it comes back as abnormal. However, very often these tests are done. If they come back as being high or showing high levels of DNA fragmentation, then um, certainly the man can look at making lifestyle changes. Some of these will be various, um, generally fairly obvious things to suggest, optimising weight, um, stopping smoking, cutting down on alcohol, and eating a healthier diet, very often the Mediterranean diet is spoken about, so less processed food, more fresh fruit, vegetables, um, you know, avoiding red meat, those sorts of things. And it has been suggested that can reduce sperm DNA fragmentation. From a laboratory setting, uh, what can be done is techniques such as ICSI or PIXI can be used to try and um, get around any issues with sperm DNA fragmentation and very occasionally laboratories will talk about doing a surgical sperm retrieval to try and get sperm directly from the testis rather than use sperm from the ejaculate and every now and again I've seen a lab report actually suggesting the use of donor sperm rather than partner sperm although personally I think that's probably a step too far for, for most people. Thanks for that Professor Tim. Is it? Is it a spicy chicken wrap? Is it a halloumi wrap? It's the only wrap. That's um, the only wrap. That is the wrap. That is a wrap. Next week we're speaking to Becky Kearns, who you've heard on here before as Defining Mum, and her partner Claire Ingle. Yes, because they founded something called Fertility Matters at Work um, with Natalie Silverman, who is the fertility podcast host, who we didn't get to speak to, sadly. No. Um, But yeah, so we talked all about work, um, what your rights are when you are going through treatment, whether you should do things like change jobs. Mm. It's it's the kind of question we get all the time. So listen up for that. Yeah, and just what it's like, because working working through infertility is shit which we all know so we just have a bit of a nice chin mug about that mm-hmm. also I want to say quick thanks to the uh, gorgeous foxes absolutely um, the gorgeous Trudy Campbell indeed and the fabulous Professor Tim Child and our brilliant sponsors Peanut yeah thanks to all have a lovely week everyone bye guys see you soon bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.